What's up, cool cats and cuties? This is the Promenade Merchants Podcast, a Star Trek podcast out on the frontier. So sit down and grab a rock to Gino as David Majors and Heather Kirby talk all things Star Trek. Old, new, and what's to come. The Promenade Merchants are open for business. Welcome, everybody, to the Promenade Merchants Podcast. Sit down, relax, have a rack to Gino. Uh, the, the Dabo girls will welcome you in. I'm David Majors. I'm joined by my co-host, Heather Kirby. What's up, Heather? Hey, everybody. How's it going? We're, we're making a podcast, and we're talking about Star Trek. That we are. That we it's, are. It's one of our favorite things, both Heather and I, and this is our fourth episode of this little endeavor, so I'm excited. Let's not waste any time. Let's just jump right in and recap old business, and since we started the podcast, Heather, uh, we've been talking about the fact that there have been some Star Trek movies that I needed to get caught up on. Uh, I'm not a completionist. I'm almost there. I'm almost there, but I'm not a completionist. And on the last episode, we talked about watching Star Trek IV, The Search for Spock. Uh, Heather, I'll ask you first before I dive in. Uh, Star Trek IV, The Search for Spock. How did you feel about this one? Uh, The one directed by Leonard Nimoy, The Search for Spock. Well, actually, this is Star Trek III. So I got to correct you there. Did I say three? Yeah, you said four. (laughs) I put four in the notes. My bad, everybody. Yeah, I'm not a completionist. So, uh, well, the search for Spock, uh, I mean, it comes directly after The Wrath of Khan, and it very much is a follow-up to a lot of the stories in The Wrath of Khan. And I I like that. You know, I, I think it, it it's really an example of what Kirk and the rest of the crew are willing to do for each other. And it's really an example of how they've become a family over the three seasons of the TV show. And now uh, this is their third movie together uh, because they're willing to work for each other in order to ultimately, when they start out on this journey is to make like fulfill Spock's final wish because they don't realize that the Genesis planet actually re- rebuilt him and, and, and rebirthed him into a tire, an entirely new body. Uh, but his Katra is in McCoy. And so he goes on this journey to both help Spock be at peace with his Katra and help McCoy, who's kind of going a little bonkers having Spock in his head. Uh, so it, it's a really enjoyable movie for me just on the, the, it's a very, um, it's a very family concept, like what, what you would do for your family. Um, there, there's a couple of really hard scenes, especially on the Genesis planet with the Klingons and when they destroy the Grissom, which is the science ship that was studying it that both Savick and uh, David, Kirk's son, were a part of, but they're down on the planet. And then ultimately when uh, David sacrifices himself in order to keep Savick and Spock alive, I think that's a really powerful moment. And 
even though it hits Kirk really hard, uh, and you kind of sit there and go, you just found out the last movie you had a son. Why is this hitting you so hard? It, it makes sense because of the amount of sacrifice that David did in order, because he wanted to protect Savick and, and he wanted to protect baby Spock. And it, it's something that a son of James T. Kirk would have definitely done too. So there, uh-huh. there's a little, yeah. I, I'm going to let you keep going, but okay. <laughs> uh, I am going to jump in here and say uh, this might blow your mind. It might blow our listeners' mind, but I'm going to go ahead and say that Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock is my favorite Star Trek movie to date. I absolutely loved it. I, I, I loved it from start to finish. <laughs> I, I I can see that. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of... I, like I said, I, I've said before in a lot of different instances, I've a hard time ranking movies because there's just a lot of things to love and, and different things to love about movies. And, and Star Trek three really is one of those movies. I, I mean, it, it doesn't suffer from the, cause there's a lot of times the sequel of the previous movie is less than the one that comes before that. I don't think it suffers from that. <laughs> It, Not it, at it, all, in my opinion. Yeah, no, it, it definitely stands on its own uh, as a really good movie and a really good story uh, with a lot of thought and, and feel to it and, and really thought out. So, um, But yeah, I, I am going to go ahead and say that I absolutely loved this movie, Star Trek III. Uh, I loved Christopher Lloyd. As Cruz, the Klingon general, I yeah. thought he was a villain that I really, really appreciated. Uh, he he might be my favorite villain of all of the Star Trek movies. He might be. Uh, I've, I've always been a big fan of Christopher Lloyd. I think he really did well playing a Klingon, how I imagine Klingons acting. And I believe he and Jim Kirk, William Shatner had a great dynamic together, number one. Uh, number two, I think that every character in the main cast had something to do, which I think is oftentimes kind of a, a point against a lot of the old Star Trek movies, where a lot of times it was Shatner, DeForest Kelly, and Leonard Nimoy really carrying the bulk of the movie. And I think this was the first movie where the rest of the cast was given a little bit more to work with, and I thought that was really cool. Uh, later on, you'll see that advance even further, and I really liked that here. And you brought up a really good point about David uh, Kirk's son dying, and I think you brought up a really interesting question about uh, even though they they just realized they were father and son, uh, they we didn't really see them reconcile off screen. Yeah. But then when the Klingons killed David, David died. Uh, you saw Kirk be absolutely devastated by it you know he he repeated you Klingon bastards you murdered my son and I can see why that really hit him because one that was his son and two 
now he'll never really get the chance to build a relationship with him and reconcile with him. So that more than likely left him absolutely devastated. And I thought that was really well done on William Shatner's part. Uh, Whatever jokes you want to make about William Shatner, and I did recently on the Record Breakers podcast, (laughs) when he, he really does get into something, he really can put on a really good performance. And I think... Everyone in this movie put on a really good performance. Uh, I especially want to talk about Sarek. Uh, Sarek is one of those recurring characters in Star Trek who always fascinates me in that he is still very Vulcan, but he is easily the most flawed Vulcan we've ever seen. And that continues to be a fascinating character arc with him. Like even in this movie, he still held on to logic despite what was happening with it, with his son on the Genesis planet. And it just kind of continues Sarek's character arc. And he's, he's an incredibly fascinating character that I always like going back to. Uh, For me, he's one of the highlights of Star Trek discovery as well. Uh, overall, I think for the time, for 1984, the action was good, uh, the special effects were good. I think that this really might be my favorite Star Trek movie. Overall, I think it really was. I had almost really nothing about the movie that I was like, eh, I didn't think that was great. This was absolutely terrific, just on all accounts, I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a lot of really good points, too, uh, especially with Sarah playing such a large role in this movie, because I especially enjoy the scene at the end where he has uh, Spock's body from the Genesis planet and uh, his Katra in McCoy, and he's asking the Vulcan priest to rejoin them together. And she looks at him and she says, that, that's not logical, And he goes, my logic is often flawed in the case when it comes to my son. I I, I mean, I think that's a perfect example of Sarek really admitting that, you know, when when it comes to his family and it comes to his son, uh, sometimes logic isn't the answer. And in a lot of ways, it really never has been. Uh, That's something that's spoken about in Discovery, how... Sarek and Amanda Grayson uh, weren't, well, he was raised in Vulcan tradition, uh, but being half human, he needed a little more emotional care. Yeah. And Sarek really didn't help with that. Uh, But I love that he let that guard down just a little bit. And every once in a while with Spock, he does. And you saw that here in this movie, too. And... I feel like, yeah, I'm even going to say I enjoyed it more than The Wrath of Khan. I really <laughs> did. Uh, in between watch it, in between our last po- podcast, I actually watched this movie twice. And I ended up saying, yeah, I really like this one a lot. Uh, so kudos to Leonard Nimoy uh, as the director. Uh, for whatever reason, the first officers of Star Trek... Se- know how to direct so 
whether it's yes. Jonathan Frakes, Leonard Nimoy, uh, maybe Nana Visitor and, and Doug Jones will start directing someday. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, I I absolutely thought this was great. If if you have not seen Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, came out in 1984, the year I was born. Uh, yeah, I highly recommend it. Uh, especially if you have already seen The Wrath of Khan, uh, given that it is a direct sequel to The Wrath of Khan. Uh, highly, highly recommended. Definitely. All right, let's move on to new business. Let's let's bring it back to today. Uh, Star Trek Picard Season 2 is coming eventually. And uh, Heather, you wanted to pose a question uh, to everyone out there listening. So let's let's go around the horn with this one. Okay, so I wanted to pose the question because Star Trek Picard is kind of like the benchmark, especially since it features uh, a major character from the next generation. Season one was really the benchmark of bringing back uh, some characters from the classic shows of Star Trek, uh, TNG and Voyager specifically in season one. So my question is, uh, for season two of Star Trek Picard, what is the one in-universe character you would like to see make an appearance the most? Now, it probably won't surprise anyone that I'm going to pick a character from Deep Space Nine. That shouldn't be a shock to anybody. But I'm going to pick a character from Deep Space Nine that you might not expect. Uh, Because uh, given what I know about the Star Trek books and the novels, this particular character goes on to have a long and decorated Starfleet career. And I think this is one of the more underrated characters in the Star Trek universe. And I think this would be a great example for Star Trek Picard to take another character on the path from the past and expand on them a little bit, like they started to do with Seven of Nine. And that character, Heather, is Ezri Dax. Hey! I'd like to see more from Ezri Dax. <laughs> That's awesome. Why do you choose Ezri Dax? I choose Ezri Dax because I think that she might be the most underappreciated character in Star Trek. I feel like she has a world of character depth to her, whether it's being a joined trill through unique circumstances, having all of those lifetimes in her, uh, being a ship's counselor. That That is incredibly fascinating. There's so much they could do with that with her as a ship's counselor. And I feel like, I, like I said, because... In the novels and in the extended Star Trek universe, she continued her Starfleet career and became a well-known officer. That is something one could really, really expand upon. And and I, I could never say no to Nicole DeBoer, just in general. So, for me, it would be Esri Dax. I feel there's... DS9, the last season of DS9 only scratched the surface with her. I think she's a great character, and there's a lot to work with there. Well, I think that is an excellent choice. Um, I loved Esri. I, this is going to be an unpopular opinion time. I preferred Esri over Jedzia. Oh, thank you, Heather. Thank <laughs> you. You're not alone. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely preferred Ezri over Jadzia. Um, so I loved her arc in DS9, and I would love to see more of her in Picard. That is an excellent choice. Uh, for my particular choice, I thought about it really hard, and I wanted to go with something deep and out of the box, and I didn't. <laughs> Uh, Don't say Q. That's too easy. You're not allowed to say Q. No, no, no. Not not Q. Uh, But it is someone from the next generation. And I think it's someone who is very... plays an important part in Picard's story. And it's someone who uh, the fans really would like to see and... Uh, just really see how, how their story gets wrapped up. And so my choice for the character I'd love to see in season two is Dr. Beverly Crusher. Oh, yes. That's a great, great choice. That is that is a fantastic choice. Uh, everyone knows that Jean-Luc Picard and Beverly Crusher, they have years and years and years of history. They were very close. Uh, Jack Crusher was Jean-Luc Picard's best friend. Uh, Beverly served on the Enterprise through all of their adventures as chief medical officer. Uh, it would be great to see what she's done. Uh, is she still in Starfleet Medical? Uh, in, in the early seasons when Dr. Pulaski took over, they promoted her to being head of Starfleet Medical. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how her Starfleet career went. I think that's a big thing, is that you would love to see what happened with a lot of these characters. Because if you remember, if you remember in Voyager, Star Trek Voyager, in the, the series finale, Endgame, they had their 20-year celebration and you saw what each of the members of the Voyager crew were doing. You yeah. saw that Tom Paris had become a writer. Uh, Harry Kim finally made captain. Uh, <laughs> and, and a few other things here and there. I would love to see that with Beverly Crusher. I would love to see what she's doing. Because we have this universe, the Star Trek universe, that has now progressed 20 years later. Yeah, And wouldn't you want to see what everyone from that era would be doing oh yeah and and i mean there like we got a little bit of story as to where exactly uh wharf and jordy are are doing uh at during this time frame in the novel the picard novel the last best hope but we didn't really get a whole lot of beverly in that novel too so it, it's just one of those things, like, especially because they have such a history, and I understand why she wasn't in season one, because he was dealing with his brain abnormality and knowing he was going to die, and Picard's the type of guy who just doesn't want to people he cares about to be anywhere near that. But now he but has he an went entirely... To his... I thought that was interesting, because he went to the doctor he used to go to on the Stargazer. I thought that yeah. was interesting. Yeah. That was an interesting choice. It, I, and I honestly think it's one of those things because he wanted to keep Beverly away from it. Like, like he didn't want Beverly to know that he was going back into space and he was risking his life to do this uh, because he, he their relationship is, is such that they care about each other enough that, that he didn't want to worry her, you know. But now he has his new body and... No brain abner- 
abnormality thing. Like, it just makes sense. Like, even if it's just one episode where he meets up with her, you get to see what she's doing. And they get to have some sort of resolution. That's all I want, really. Oh, that's, I, that's I think that would be great. Uh, she might be one character from the next generation that I wouldn't mind having around for a couple of episodes, actually. Like, I think her uh, and Guinan, my mom's favorite character, uh, would would definitely be good to have around for a little bit. So, yeah, I think Beverly Crusher would be a great, great choice. I totally agree. But, yeah, uh, eventually, when we do get Star Trek Picard Season 2, and it was confirmed, uh, it's looking like we'll be getting a couple of new people. Uh, LeVar Burton has said that he has been in discussions about possibly appearing on Star Trek Picard, uh, and everyone already knows it was well publicly disclosed that Whoopi Goldberg will be involved somewhere uh, playing the role of Guinan. So uh, I I think right now Star Trek Picard is doing a really good job of mixing old and new, and I think we can only hope that continues. Oh, yes, definitely. All right, now... On to upcoming business, and then we're going to get out of here. Uh, Heather, I've had this idea in the back of my mind uh, since Star Trek Picard. And I feel like I, I want to make a pitch. I'll pitch it to you. I'll pitch it to the listeners out there. And it comes down to Jerry Ryan as Seven of Nine. Uh, Jerry Ryan was terrific uh, in her role in Star Trek Picard. I think she did a really good job. And they planted some seeds uh, for her as one of the Fenris Rangers, uh, leaving Starfleet, uh, going out into the neutral zone, and fighting for justice. And I saw a lot of Star Trek fans say that they wanted a Star Trek series for Jerry Ryan, a Seven of Nine. And my mind went in a slightly different different direction heather and i want to say to you and to everyone else out there i would like to see a star trek fenris rangers video game with jerry ryan as seven of nine go for it i want to hear more okay so in my mind this would be a game that gets like a a triple a video game budget and it would be sort of a action uh, RPG, maybe a little bit of Star Trek Online, a little bit of Mass Effect. But at its core, it would be a single player game with maybe some online that's kind of like Star Trek Online. But it would be Jerry Ryan as the protagonist, as Seven of Nine, going on a campaign of sorts... Uh, in the neutral zone with the Fenris Rangers. And maybe she'll run into the Federation. Maybe she'll run into the Romulans. Uh, It would be very much in the current timeline. Uh, And I would love to see her as sort of an action hero in a video game. And you get the motion capture, you get the voice acting, you get various members of Star Trek series from all over the place. I think that would be something that I would really want to see. Give this like a big budget single player campaign 
and then have people do what they want with with the online side of it, kind of like Star Trek Online uh, in some ways. But a Jerry Ryan 7 of 9 Star Trek video game is what I would want more than anything. Well, I I mean, I think it, it's an awesome idea. I, I think it's something like that, especially with how uh, big of a name Jerry Ryan is. I think a, a video game idea to further evolve Seven's character uh, would be something that she that would work with, for her. Like especially since I I I want to see her as a regular in season two of Picard, but I don't know if it's going to happen because she does so much other work and and has roles on a couple different other shows right now. I think uh, so. Something like just recording voiceover for a video game would be really easy for her to do. And it would be an awesome way to really help promote the character and help promote Star Trek and Picard in general. So I'm all for it. I'm not a video gamer, but I'm still all for it. (laughs) I think that this would bring a lot of Trekkies into playing the game. And I think that if it's a good game... A lot of people would really be interested in it and then maybe go back to Star Trek Voyager and Star Trek Picard. And then we could see her story arc progress. And I think that's the one thing that everybody wants is that we want to see what Seven of Nine is doing. And and we want to see her story continue. And I think it would be really good if it's something a little different from the rest of the Star Trek timeline. And I think a video game, a big budget AAA video game, would be the way to go. I agree. I agree. All right. So, guys, let us know if you would play a Star Trek video game with Seven of Nine. Uh, would you play it? Let us know. Uh, and please let us know about anything we talked about today at Prom Trek Pod. On Twitter, uh, you can send us an email as well at promenadetrekpod at gmail.com. I think I got that right. Promenadetrekpod at gmail.com. Let us know, especially a few of the things we talked about today. We, we, we want to hear from you. We want to know what you think. Uh, Heather, thanks again for joining us. Let us know where everybody can find you. You can find me primarily on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at nerdygal33, and my Twitter name is never apologize for being nerdy, because those are great words to live by. I couldn't agree more. Uh, So until next time, everybody, thank you for listening to the Promenade Merchants podcast. Live long and prosper. Walk with the prophets and uh, enjoy the rest of your timeline. Bye for now. (laughs) 